Live from the Tech Talk Studios hey. in the nation's capital and the heartland of America. It's Tech Talk. Well, it's Friday, and guess what? It's your favorite time of the week. It's time for Tech Talk. I'm Brad Cost, my co-host. I got to tell you, everybody knows this guy. I don't even know why I take the time to introduce him, but Dr. Jay Greenstein. If you haven't heard of him, look on TikTok, look on Facebook, look on Twitter. He's your man. Well, TikTok, I'm not quite so sure about. You might not want to watch those, yeah, but... It's Dr. Jay Greenstein. And Jay, in all honesty, is one of my best friends. Jay and I teach together, uh, lecturing around America on technology, data, how to use it. And guys, you all know it in the audience. You need to listen to us about technology. We're here to tell the truth. What is the future of healthcare? And and it's it's there. That train has already left the station. We just want you to hop on before it gets too far ahead. Jay, my friend. How's it going in D.C. today? <laughs> What's up, buddy? It's going good, man. It was a beautiful day here. 60 degrees. Uh, you know, had a great day. Uh, had, some, had some really good meetings and uh, doing this now. And then we get to have our research work group, Cairo Tech work group joint meeting after this. Cause so you're going to get a full hour and a half of me, bro. Yeah. You know, that's great, though. Those research folks are Heidi and her group are just amazing people to talk to. Smart folks. Uh, and and it's just a lot of fun to talk with them, and we're doing some cool things. Hopefully, the future we're going to be doing more and more with them. So I tell you what, we've got a good guest today, uh, Dr. Mark King, Cincinnati, Ohio, I believe. Uh, why don't you introduce Dr. King and bring us bring us up? Let's get going, man. I am super excited. So probably everybody on this podcast in the profession know who knows who Dr. Mark King is. He is the president of Motion Palpation Institute. He's got a killer practice in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he's just an all-around great guy. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today, brother. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be here and excited to be here. So, Mark, just in case like somebody doesn't know about you, I would love for you just to quickly share like your, your chiropractic journey story. Like, How did you become a chiropractor, and how did you get to this point where you're one of the most important leaders in our profession? So I was a weird kid in that I did I was a little bit of a health nut and wouldn't eat the school lunches and started getting more and more interested in nutrition initially. And then I got injured playing basketball in college and went to an old-time chiropractor, literally one of B.J. Palmer's students, wow. uh, Dr. Grossman, who was just an awesome guy and helped me through my injury. And then he said I should pursue chiropractic, and I wasn't sure about it at that point. I was more focused on basketball than anything else, but I was a pretty decent student, and I thought, one thing leads to another. I took some classes in college in biochem and organic chemistry and so on and did well with them and said, okay, I guess I do like this this gig and uh, let's go with it. So then I went to Life Chiropractic College, got through there and then started a practice 35 years ago with my wife, Dr. Donna Maloney, who's, uh, we've been together in this practice as long as we've been married and we have eight chiropractors and two physical therapists and a physical therapy assistant. And uh, we're right about 10 minutes east of downtown Cincinnati and, and going strong, still going strong. It's amazing. And um, I, I know you've got an, an amazing practice in Cincinnati and you're doing great work there. I'm curious about the injury that you had. What was the injury that brought you into the chiropractor? Oh, just a, just a, a hip injury when I was playing basketball. It was was really not the end of the world, but I would get little 
ticky-tack injuries. I'm, I was a really skinny kid. I never had major injuries. I almost never missed a practice or never missed a game, which I look back on and can't believe. As skinny as I was, I can't believe I didn't. But I was weirdly durable, but I did like to get adjusted periodically. And I had a chiropractor in high school there in uh, southwest Florida. And then when I went to college, there was a chiropractor that took care of us there who was a great guy. And then you know, and then on to chiropractic school. Uh, I got involved with MPI, Motion Palpation Institute, uh, really in 1994. I mean, I took classes before that, but I started teaching with them in 94 and then eventually took over as president in 2001. And I've, 21 years later, I'm still the president and it's still going strong. I'm on the, I have a board with uh, uh, Brett Winchester and Corey Campbell. Those are the other docs on the MPI board. And we've got a, another 10 uh, instructors and uh, we're still going strong around the world. Uh, Obviously, most of our classes are in the U.S., but we go just about everywhere. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I've looked at I've looked at your schedule. It is it is nuts. All the different places you go around the world. It's fun. Yeah. So for those in the audience that do, do, does not know what Motion Palpitation Institute is, can you give us just a a one minute quickie on uh, on what's sure. going on there? It's motion palpation. Pal- everyone, palpation, sorry. the layperson says palpitation because it, it's palpation. Well, that's me. Chiropractors got, me. got me pegged, don't you? Yeah, that's that's okay. It's it's no big deal. I've heard it many times, but it just obviously palpation feeling. So, um, sure. uh, it, it, we use it as one of the tools in our toolbox uh, for uh, evaluating our patients. It's a diagnostic tool. Uh, and then it leads into areas that we uh, might adjust. We try and tie in, uh, you know, our idea is to have the best palpators and adjusters in the world and then tie it together with low-tech rehab. Uh, maybe you do some soft tissue work. Or maybe you like uh, some functional medicine nutrition com- uh, component to this. Maybe you do MDT. You can combine this motion palpation and our adjusting with these other techniques. They, they, and we try and help people learn how to integrate those. We know motion palpation is not the beginning and the end. We know what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a valuable tool. But uh, there are other things that can happen, obviously, with your patients, and you need to have other tools to address those. So how are you going to make that work? Uh, the phrase we used is, does your model work? In other words, can you efficiently evaluate your patient, effectively treat your patient, and make a living doing that. You know, are you able to do that? And we try and give students and docs uh, the, the, the tools to do that. And uh, it's it's been a great journey for me, and it's great fun, because what I teach, I apply in my practice. So it's I'm not teaching anything that's just theoretical. I'm doing what I teach, which is uh, makes it much nicer for me. You said something that was so important. I, there's a lot of folks out there who are teaching different things in our field and even in other fields as well, like the PT field, and they become singularly focused. Like, this is the only tool that works where your approach, your philosophy is like, this is a tool in the toolbox. We have to use the right tool at the right time with the right patient. And I think that is so important. And I want to know, are you finding that students these days, especially the younger students, are more open to that? Or do they typically have that singular focus blinder approach so that's a great question jay what what happens now is we have a tendency to water things down and and be mediocre at six or eight or ten different things i i I talk about this a lot but mike Leahy, who's the president at uh, art ART. he was interviewed and i heard a little blurb of the interview and they said what would you tell young grads and i thought his advice was really good he said be great at something and in his mind great is ART, in my mind, it's palpate and adjust and, you know, on down the list. So uh, we talk about the modern chiropractor and what the toolbox might be. 
So adjust, load, you do your rehab, you might stretch the shortened muscle, MDT, you know, McKenzie technique, you might do nutrition. Um, so the point is, is that those are a lot of great tools. I don't feel like you're going to be great at all of those. I think you have to pick. So uh, let me let me back up. I think you have to create a foundation. In our mind, it should be palpate and adjust. And then, because the world wants what we do, they all the world they know that what palpate and adjust is a great tool. Yeah. We don't have it perfected, but we're we're trying to. And then you can add these other things. Uh, you don't have to be uh, Mike Leahy or Pavel Kolaj from DNS to be to get some good out of doing these other things. You don't have to be Henry Gillet or Len Fay to be uh, get some good out of your adjusting. You. But what I'm saying is if you do uh, eight or ten things, you tend to just be mediocre at all of them. The proverbial jack-of-all-trades, master of none. So I think you master your your stuff. And, again, my, I'm admitting my bias, this palpate and adjust bias. Start with that. Become a master at that. Then add, if you want to do factor or ART or whatever. If you want to become great at uh, DNS, great. You add that as you go along. So um, we we don't... Uh, the truth is that one technique does not do it all. You know that. I know that. Um, but you do want to be great at something. You give it, at least give it so you at least have a chance to be able to u- deliver those tools well and then add those other things and, and yeah. be able to integrate it in a model that works. That's great advice. I think, you know, for our practices, we focus really on three things, which you've mentioned. It's palpate and adjust. It's appropriate soft tissue work and rehab like that those that's kind of like the cornerstone the three-legged stool of like how we think about patient care like fantastic yeah it's great we don't do nutrition we we don't know anything about it like that's okay we are focused on the things that we think we're good at and then i call up cindy howard when i need some we need some advice around around nutrition but see the thing is jay that if you look at nutrition it is absolutely a huge topic so if you're going to be good at it I think you have to put, you have to be pretty focused. Like there are some chiropractors around the country that their first, their first and only focus is nutrition and they become really good at it. Yeah. So if you don't really have a natural inclination to become really good at refer it out. There are chiropractors that specialize in that. There are MDs, DOs, uh, you know, naturopaths, uh, nurse practitioners and so on that become really good at it. So you don't have to do all those things. But that mobility, so the model I use is the mobility, stability, biochemistry model. So I do, I call it kind of nutrition like, uh, really based on what uh, kind of the deflame approach that David Seaman always talks about. Yeah. So mobility, stability, and, and, and uh, nutrition, or mobility, stability, biochemistry. But that you're talking about with uh, adjust, soft tissue, and rehab, that's the mobility, stability part. And man, there is, there is an endless need for that. The world needs 100%. that. A hundred percent. Brad, I know we got to take a break, but when we come back, um, I'm super excited to continue this conversation because I got some questions for Mark. He's built an amazing practice. I want you to share some of those secrets, Mark, with the audience. All right. Will do. All right. Hey, we're going to we're going to take a few seconds here to recognize our sponsors. We'll be right back. We're talking with Dr. Mark King, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Come on back. Starting your weekend outright with the data jocks of talk. It's TikTok. Welcome to Infinity. We have worked hard to create an electronic claims website that is simple and user-friendly. This is the public side. You can log into your personal web portal here. 
This is your dashboard. You can personalize it to your liking here. Our main focus has been to allow you to submit and edit claims as easy as possible. You will find our claims editor and claims processing is simple to use and straightforward. Our quick action bar is where you can find your most important information. Most of these icons will take you directly to the claims the number represents. You can easily view if you have any messages in your inbox of any unread alerts by looking for these blue numbers. To view the rest of our training videos to get the most of your Infinity experience, click this icon. We hope you find this web portal simple and easy to use. Thanks for letting us serve you. Your weekly dose of talk. Get, get ready. With the data jocks of talk. And now to a tragic news story. We just learned that a chiropractor recently called his EHR company for help after being forced into yet another platform transition. And the wait times were so egregious the doctor died while on hold. Our sources tell us he was put on hold for over 176 hours. Apparently, the staff had left early to take advantage of all the extra fees they charge. Ever wonder where all those nickels and dimes go? Don't let this happen to you. PayDC offers its all-inclusive software for one low monthly fee, backed by a team that both respects and empowers chiropractors and their staff. Sign up for a free software demo below and see how Rebels do EHR. Down, down, down. Let's slow it down. With the hot data jocks of talk. Ooh. It's Tech Talk. Welcome back, Tech Talk. I'm Brad Goss, Dr. Jay Greenstein. We have a great guest with us today. We've been having a conversation with Dr. Mark King. Dr. King, tell me a little bit more about your practice. It sounds like you have a very robust, large practice there in Cincinnati. Uh, you've got MPI that's going on for us. Tell us a little bit about the business side of this, where you're at. How have you grown this so large? How do you manage to do multiple companies like that? So uh, when, it's, when we started out, it was just my wife and I, and we had one CA who was, you know, office manager, front desk, everything. And she, we got lucky because she was a really a talent. Uh, stayed with us for I don't remember a dozen years, and 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 we really, really even then we hated to see her go, but she was awesome. So we got a little lucky there, and then we just kept growing it. We added some associates. At one point, I had three offices, and and when I had the three offices, I was getting to a point where I had to make a decision: did I want to do more multiple clinics and run, help run the clinics, or did, was I drawn more to MPI and clinical? And so I ended up eventually selling the other two clinics which was fine the guy, the guys who bought them were, were, were uh, great clinicians and they did you know did a good job with it but that allowed me to have a little more time for 
for Motion Palpation Institute. So for me, it was a great combination because I got to do clinical, but I wasn't only doing clinical. I got to do some teaching. So I really think that mix was good for me. And I really think it's probably good for a lot of people, whether they get involved in their state association, whether they get involved with something like Motion Palpation or teach continuing ed, or heck, they could teach at the local high school or junior college or whatever. They could teach something if, if they had an, uh, you know, an interest in teaching. But I think the diversion is uh, helpful. One of my buddies is an internist, and he has clinical practice, and in 12 hours a week, he, he helps run the uh, residency program at the local hospital. It's a nice change of pace for him just to mix up his week. So you're not only seeing patients. Nothing wrong with it if that, that that's floats your boat. I needed a little diversion, and I really liked the constant learning that I get to do with Motion Palpation Institute. And really, from a building a practice standpoint, I would go to practice management classes, I would read books, I would go to technique classes, I would I would study, study, study all the time and because I, I've really just enjoyed it. I like the learning that keeps me interested. I, uh, I, I, I like the idea of uh, the constant learning, constant improving. So we progressively grew, we added an associate, added another associate, one associate moved to Florida, you know, we then we add another one and we kind of just progressively grew and then about 12 years ago, we, there was a space available down the street, about 10,000 square feet, and we took over that space, and then that went on for a couple of years, and then we eventually started to outgrow that, so we got 3,500 square feet up on the third floor and moved our physical therapy department wow. up there. So now we have our physical therapy department in the same building, but there are a couple floors up, and um, it, it's still all part of us, but it's... Um, but it's it, we just needed the space, quite frankly, and so um, you know it sounds like we have a lot of room, but we end up really using about every millimeter. Although I would say, if you have an old building, there are some inefficiencies of space, and just you know kind of deal with that. Um, and we like I said, we have the, all, the, all these docs because there's eight of us, but three of us are part time, and five of the DCs are full time, and our DPTs are are full time. So for me, the mix was really helpful, and we just kept trying to grow the practice, meet everybody in town. I always preach about present time consciousness and care plans. I'm, I'm always am preaching that to my to my classes uh, because you know when you're in, in the room, you need to be in the room, and then these people want to plan for what they're going to do for their care, and so you put them on a care plan, and then when you walk in the room with them, you make sure you're in that room with them mentally. And uh, those are a couple of big things to help build your practice. We do MD referral letters, uh, which has been helpful over time. It's kind of a slow growth, but it does help. And um, from an IT standpoint, we've, we, uh, geez, I guess it was uh, 12 or 14 years ago, we started with an EHR, and then we've you know kind of built on that. It took us a long time to finally get online scheduling, just because the the company we have really wasn't very good at it. So we finally. Are moving on with that. So anyway, you just keep learning more and growing, and don't be afraid uh, of of whatever it is you need to learn. My, the thing I say to myself, I know this is a long answer, but the thing I say to myself a lot is, "I'm a smart guy. I can learn anything as long as sure. I'm interested." So that's yeah, the way absolutely. I approach a lot of these things. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question about technology, but I got to I got to go back and and ask a question about your wife. What what is it like to work with your wife? all day long in a practice and then go home and there's your wife. I mean, do you guys practice similarly? Does she do different forms of techniques or do you complement each other? So uh, people ask me that a lot and I always joke and say, well, I see her on Wednesdays at the staff meeting. Otherwise, I just don't see her. So <laughs> it's not a problem. And then I'm on the road a fair amount. She likes to travel too. So 
uh, that's never been a problem. But I do advise young couples that are together in that day, you need to have separation of church and state. So she has she's in charge of certain areas of the practice. I'm in charge of other areas of the practice. And there is a line there. Each one gets the final say. We always say it by 9 o'clock at night. You're not allowed to talk about business at all anymore. But it's really not a problem just because we're not constantly together. I, I mean, I yeah. love her. Uh, but I, I don't want to be with her 24 hours a day, and she certainly doesn't want to be with me for 24 hours a day. But her uh, uh, clinical approach is, is very similar to mine. Uh, there's always differences. I'm a big, a bigger guy. She's a smaller woman. You know, there are some subtle differences, but it's still a functional model. It's still relatively sim- similar in the big picture. Does that carry through with all of the clinicians that are working for you in the office? Do you do you make sure that they're doing the similar kind of techniques that? You teach and train and do yourself? Well, uh, quite frankly, I found them all through the teaching. Okay. So they were already biased. And I'm not babysitting my my docs. They're doing their thing. uh, I'm happy to discuss clinical cases. I love talking about it. I love trying to figure out uh, complicated cases. But they're doing their thing through the course of the day, and I am not looking over their shoulder. I always make the comment, they don't need me. Yeah. They're going to be successful wherever they are. So if I make it a, a good place to work here, maybe they'll stick around. I just think it'd be natural uh, with you being a teacher, uh, and it makes sense that they came through some avenue that you you were teaching at or you knew yes. that you do teach. I mean that you do similar techniques among your office. Yes, and, we absolutely. And it do. Sound, yeah, it sounds like Cincinnati is an amazing market for chiropractic. I know we supported the Ohio State uh, Chiropractic Association quite a bit over the years. And uh, back when my friend Baron Hogue uh, was the president and executive director there, we were there a lot. And I know it was a great group of people. And uh, I'm assuming I haven't been there in a few years, but I'm assuming it's still a good, great participating group of chiros in that association. I have to say, in Cincinnati, there's quite a few really good clinicians, really good offices here. I was one of the speakers at the recent Ohio State Chiropractic Association annual convention because, you know, post-COVID, things are getting somewhere back to normal, I guess. And, uh, you know, just a great uh, audience of people from around the state that were in my class, and I I really enjoyed them. They were all very interested in learning, which makes it more fun for me, of course. And I, I really enjoyed enjoyed the whole experience. Dr. Brandy uh, Spalding is the executive director now. She's actually yep. a DC. And yep. um, I'm really pulling for her. I'm very impressed by her. And I, I you know, I want her to be successful. And um, I'm hoping she, uh, I'm hoping she does. Just you know, for our uh, chiropractors across the state. Love I'm going to ask you one more small question, then I'm going to turn it back over and let Jay uh, ask you before we take another break. But as you're teaching the young people that are coming up in chiropractic, be learning, getting their license to practice, uh, we're, we're trying to interact with the students now to teach them this is an electronic world. you got to participate in EMRs, practice management, uh, measures, uh, understanding what's going on in the patient population that's out there. What do you find today when, when you're interacting with the students trying to learn? Do you see the interest in technology or are they just so, uh, so busy learning the skill of chiropractic they can't focus on that? Well, they're a little for for our classes. They're a little caught up in what we're doing, and, and it's it's not uh, constant, uh, constantly at the forefront. Uh, 
but they are so natural at it. So it's so um, such an easy part of their life. They're, you know, they they are natural. It's just something that they know they're going to do. They all just assume they'll have an EHR, and they all just assume they'll they'll have some other uh, IT, you know, kind of as needed. I, I guess I'm trying to say. So they are very interested. They're very. Um, uh, energetic about both clinical and the IT world. The thing I would say, um, I really emphasize that in the IT world is is that they, it, it, again, that it's natural. And one of the things I, I deal with a lot of millennials, and some people are negative about them. I see a lot of rock stars, um, and like a couple of my docs here are millennials, and they are just very impressive. A lot of my students who don't come to Cincinnati, obviously. Uh, are very impressive. There, there are lots of rock star millennials out there, and what I say is, I know I get a warped perception of what they, what all millennials are, because the groups that come to our classes are particularly motivated. Yeah. Uh, they're more of a high, intrinsically motivated. Motivated is the phrase that uh, Corey Campbell uses all the time. These are people that are, they'd be good plumbers, they would be good surgeons, they would be good, uh, you know, presidents of companies. They're just motivated people, and uh, they're just really fun to work with. You know, I feel that way about Jay. If I could just get him a little bit more motivated and, a, and, and involved, yeah, sure. the world would be a better place. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I, I love what's been discussed, and I have I have a question, but I want to save it till after the break, Brad. So let's take a okay. break, and then we'll come uh, back. Yeah, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Jay Greenstein. This is Jay Greenstein. With me today is Dr. Jay Greenstein. Dr. Jay Greenstein. The world around us and healthcare specifically is changing at an exponential pace. Chiropractic is perfectly positioned like we have never been right now today to be more successful and to be more impactful for the communities and patients that we serve. There are all sorts of evidence-based guidelines that, that support the use of non-pharmacological approaches. But what I want America to know is that health doesn't come from a pill. It's our responsibility as healthcare providers to educate the community about the evidence that exists. We really need to have a private practice app, something that will help us engage with our patients in ways that they've never experienced before. The intersection of technology and quality care is where the future of healthcare is at, and I'm really excited to bring that forward in the future. So we all feel it. Rent or dining out, gasoline or movies. As a matter of fact, the dollar is not going as far for a whole host of reasons. And it's impacting everybody regardless of your financial situation. Did you know that 38% of the overall population is having to reconsider how they're spending their money just to afford the healthcare they need? And if you break it down further, 26% have actually delayed the healthcare that they need, including going to see you, the chiropractor. So here's what we need to know about the breakdown in demographics. You would think that someone who's making $120,000 or more would be continuing their care right now, but the actual number is 18%. 18% of that group is actually putting off healthcare, and that's a group of people making six figures. When you take that same information all the way down to a group making 40,000, that number's much higher. It's closer to 40%. 
So it's never been more important than now to make sure you've made it easy for your patients to come see you, that you have choices for them, and you understand what they're going through at home. We want to make sure your practice thrives during this time, and we encourage you to learn about what Cairo Health USA can do for you and your practice and making it easy for patients to see you and continue care. Spreading the love. You're listening to The Tech Slot. It's Tech Talk. What's up, everybody? It's Dr. J here, and I'm really excited because I'm with my two very good friends, Dr. Mark King and Mr. Brad Koss. We're having a great conversation about all things chiropractic, all things motion palpation, all things technology. And Mark, you know, you said some really enlightening things in that last section that we just recorded, and what what and they aligned. And what what came to mind for me when you said, "I don't babysit my doctors," was the book Drive by Dan Pink. And then you mentioned. Intrinsic motivation, which is the foundation of what his research and, and why he wrote that book, like how are people intrinsically motivated? And it's autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And and I think you you with your leadership skills, you've built this great practice because first of all, you've got an incredible amount of purpose behind you, but you deliver mastery with your training and that allows your doctors to have autonomy. And that it's such a strong leadership lesson. I think that a lot of folks who are leading teams, leading practices, they need to understand and learn and implement. You did an amazing leadership um, session for us with, uh, with Dr. Kevin Christie's mastermind group down in Florida. It was a great session down in Sarasota. I want you to do me a favor and just share with us and the audience some other key leadership lessons learned that our audience can take and, and utilize in their practices or their businesses, you know, starting tomorrow? Like, what's the most important thing they need to understand about being a great leader? Well, um, I'm, I mentioned earlier that I'm kind of constantly trying to learn more about it. I'm willing to study. I'm willing to admit that I don't know things. Again, I take classes. I read books. Now I've kind of gotten a little obsessed with Ryan Holiday and his, his book. And, and uh, I just got Discipline is Destiny. I just came in the mail a few days ago. And so I, nice. I'm, I'm going to read that over the weekend. Uh, you know, I read a book a long time ago uh, by Jim Collins called Good to Great, and he talked about, he kind of compared companies that became great versus companies that became not so great. And what did they do? And a lot of times what they do, uh, the leader of the company would um, make it all about the company, and other leaders of the company would make it all about the leader. So he used an example, if you remember, you would, you guys remember, um, our younger audience wouldn't know, but Lee Iacocca kind of came in and saved the day at Chrysler. But deep down, Lee Iacocca was about Lee Iacocca. So eventually, even though he saved the company then, he eventually became a problem for the company. And he had, they you know, kind of had to figure out a way to get him out of the way. Um, like in Cincinnati, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, there, there's a company called Kroger Grocery, and they're a big deal here. I cannot tell you who the who the president of Kroger is, and I am 10 minutes from the headquarters, uh, and I can't literally think of it right now, Who the what the name of it, because the Kroger is seems to be about Kroger, and they just, everyone thought Walmart was going to crush them, and they just kept going. They kept going strong. So anyway, they, he used these different examples, and I thought that was a really good one. So like with Motion Palpation Institute, I would like it 50 years from now or even 100 years from now. I know they'll be teaching different things, but I'd like them still to be going strong. Um, uh, 
with my private practice, um, I won't be running it in 50 years, but I would love something uh, similar to what we have going on here now to still be going, you know, kind of from the standpoint of that longevity, just because we're trying to, to, to strive for excellence. So that, uh, that idea of constant improvement, uh, Len Fay at MPI started that concept that you were always going to keep learning. You were always going to keep trying to improve. That's a great idea. So, so if you're always trying to grow and then you uh, help use that to empower your people, you know, get, the, get good people and then put them in the right seat on the bus, right? Um, then, then, you know, just be there if they need you. Otherwise, like I say, get out, get out of their way because they'll, they'll take it from there. So uh, if I say, say to say something, it's like, it's not, I don't care who you are. It doesn't become, it's not, leadership's not 100% natural. You, you have to work to develop some of the skills. Yeah. And, and I think that's important. That's great. I think, you know, what you're talking about as it relates to this, this humility piece, which is all about being a level five leader that Collins described in the book. And you definitely exemplify that. I really, really, really enjoyed your session. I got so much out of that leadership session that you taught at Kevin's group. So thank you for that. It was, it was fantastic. Um, and you know, that, that leadership group that Kevin, uh, Dr. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Christie started, um, the concept was that you would get a bunch of really strong offices together and really kind of learn from each other. And, it, and, and Kevin didn't come up with the idea himself. He was brilliant enough to, to take it and, and apply it to a chiropractic group. But that it's like we're having beers afterwards. And next thing you know, you're going, oh, that's a great idea. And you write yourself a note and you work on that the next. So I just think what Kevin did on that with this idea of a mastermind group was just really, uh, really impressive. And uh, he did it from more of a business standpoint, of running your practice standpoint, a personal development standpoint, not from a clinical standpoint. Uh, so, but the point is that um, he's not the only mastermind group. A buddy of mine started one in Tennessee with uh, some really sharp young guys and gals down there. So you can do it whatever, wherever, but the idea is that uh, being around other great offices makes you better. Yeah. Hey, man, it's so, it's so true. And Kevin's done a great job. Of curating the group, but you've got to have the right people in the room, and and I think he's done an amazing job of doing that. So, so Mark, tell us where you're going to be uh, over the next several weeks to months. What are you doing for the holidays? Uh, where are you going to be through the end of the year and early next year? Yeah, so most of my teaching is done through the end of 2022. Uh, I just was um, I was just in Atlanta for a class uh, recently, and then so December we really don't do any classes. Everyone's kind of doing the uh, doing the holiday thing. There might be one here or there in the early part of December. And then we start into the new year, and I, I, I'll be going all over, but we have a big sports summit in, in Kansas City in, in uh, late March, last weekend in March. We'll, we'll cover topics like adjusting and soft tissue and rehab and movement screens and nutrition. And then uh, I personally will get a couple of good uh, European trips in. Uh, I was a few months, a couple of months ago, I was down in South America in Santiago, Chile. So I try and stay on the move. Uh, I, I like it. I like the, to get to see the world. Uh, I like meeting people from other places. Uh, so it's really fun for me. That's great. That is great. Well, listen, we're about to run out of time. And this time of the year, uh, Dr. King, we always talk a little bit of college football. Now, my guess is that you're rooting for the same team that Jay uh, Jay is uh, excited about all the time. Well, I'm an is American, yes. Right? So. <laughs> I, 
well, I have a lot of I, the big game that coming up. This by the time this is is heard, this will have already happened. But the Ohio State Michigan game is coming up, and I'm in Cincinnati, which is more Ohio State, but also has a lot of Michigan people, and some of my buddies are big Michigan fans, so it makes it kind of fun to uh, talk about it and give each other a hard time. My son's a senior at, at Ohio State right right now, so it's you know I've been a uh, Ohio State fan, Ohio State fan because I was a Woody Hayes fan when I was a little kid. Yeah, I did. He lost his mind there at the end, but I'm just saying that uh, I, I've been Ohio State fan for forever, and it's just it's just fun being here. It's just uh, fun to we'll follow him. Yeah, I've been on the street there between Cleveland and the and the university. Uh, I forgot the name of that street when it's a football game. Oh my gosh, the Ohio State fans are crazy. Just like I am an Oklahoma State. Yeah, I uh, live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I sit on the board of governors and trustees at Oklahoma State. I am rooting Oklahoma State all the time. But Jay and I, since we've been friends and start watching, I've now got him watching Oklahoma State, and I'm watching Ohio State. And I didn't get to watch the entire game this weekend, and it was uh, it it was a lot closer game than it should have been for you guys. It was tight, tight. and uh, I only got to see about the last ten minutes of it, but. I was going, man, I bet Jay's sweating here just a little bit. <laughs> I was watching that one. You know, sometimes you're working or you're busy or whatever. You don't get to see all the games. But I uh, I like the excuse to kick back and chill a little bit and watch a little bit of the game. Yeah. It's part and of then I forgot you were. I got to watch. You were there, weren't you, Jay? I didn't. Yeah. I forgot. You told me you were going to be there, and I forgot all about that. And then you sent me the picture of you in the stands. And I, I that was a great game to be at, though. It yeah. was fun. I mean, that last play was literally right in front of us, so it was cool. It was it was a lot of fun. And, and Brad, I just want you to know, I feel really guilty because we took Tim Knowles, <sighs> and every time I watch Oklahoma State and they've got no defense, I'm like, it's our fault. <laughs> I feel terrible. It could be. No, I tell you what, we we were as high as rated as number six in the nation, and we had a, a practice week in a game where we got eight of our starters injured, including our quarterback. We came back with with the second string quarterback mid game when Sanders got hurt, and the second string got hurt. We started the next game with our third string quarterback, and a lot of our defensive line was hurt. And we've played the rest of the season hurt in a big way. Now Sanders this last week came back, and it took him three quarters. He hadn't practiced for three weeks. He hadn't he hadn't taken very many hikes and. It took him three quarters to get back his throwing, and when they came back, the other team started worrying a little bit, which was OU, which is a big bedlam game every year for us. I mean, a big game. And yeah. he started making up the points in that last quarter, but it just wasn't enough time, you know. And and uh, so we had six wins this year, and so we'll have a bowl game, but – I'm very disappointed. You know, I always start out the beginning of the year with you. Goes, ah, crap! I don't think this is going to work. And they start winning, and then you're going, hey, that's a pretty scrappy team. They they come back and win in the end. Sure enough. And when we hit number six, I was going, oh my gosh, maybe this is going to be a year. And then it just it's like the bottom fell out of it, you know. And I don't know. There's always it's, next year, my friend. Always next there's year. always next year. And you know, being a no state fan and OU. That was actually probably the last Bedlam game because OU is going to the SEC along with Texas. And and so that tradition, this was the 113th Bedlam match uh, in history. And 
I mean, it's a it's a huge uh, rival game. Um, you know, it's a fun game to be at when it's home. I will not go to Norman for a game. The fans are way too rowdy, and you get your car hurt and damaged, and <laughs> I just I have no interest in doing that. But I root them on all the time. So, you know, I think our season's pretty well over. I'm going to switch and watch a little basketball now, and uh, and uh, go go root on the Cowboys in basketball, which I don't think is going to be a great year, but it's still a fun game to watch. And you got to pull for us this weekend, bro. You got to do I'm it. I'm going to. No, I'm going to. I'm going to. I uh, um, I, I think you guys have a chance, a real chance at the national championship. I just. You guys have shown, yeah, but you've shown you can come back and win from a tight and start playing. I think that's chemistry. I think that's good coaching. And and again, you stole our coach. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say, buddy. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> that's okay, man. Well, listen, Dr. King, thank you for joining us for the last hour. And, uh, thank you, Mark. Great, great responses, great information on leadership, what you're doing growing a successful practice. I just love being able to talk about guys like you when Jay and I are, are talking about technology, about successful practices. Just do something different than just being a bump on the log. You know, get out there, learn, educate yourself, do new things, find out because healthcare is changing. There is no question about that. And, and we've got to catch up with that. We've got to get the chiropractors of America to to re-educate themselves to get on board and and be part of the future healthcare. We have such a good product. Throw a little energy behind that product and you uh, you're off to the races. Yeah, absolutely. Jay Betty, uh yes, it's been good. We're going to we're going to be on a few more communications today. So yeah, I'll see you again and I'll see you again in a few minutes. From my co-host Dr. Jay Greenstein, I'm Brad Cost. Have a good day. Your weekly dose of talk. Get ready. With the data jocks of talk.